0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie Deschal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. This Friday is a very important day on the calendar. Very significant day on the calendar. How many of you know what this Friday is? <laughs> Passover. <laughs> You know, in in this church, we've been taught to search out the scriptures. We've been taught to examine everything. If you look at 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 21, it says, But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. You know, most of us here shouted that this is Passover. But I'm sure two years ago, we would not have been thinking about Passover. We would have been thinking about something else. Good Friday, yes. But our pastors have, 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 have gone through you know a lot of research, a lot of um, understanding, sought out a lot of understanding on these um, holidays that are now on our Christian calendar and and where they came from. And I encourage us to return to the ancient parts. So I want to encourage you, if you are wondering what this teaching is about, it's there in the bookshop, it's there on YouTube. Find the series that speaks of traditions of men Versus the traditions of God, it'll give an, a whole different understanding on what it means to follow uh, what God says. What it means uh, to do the things that God wants us to do. You know, I I was hearing Passover a lot, and last year I began to wonder, okay, what 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 now? You know, okay, you say you no know, Easter, Passover. So I began to search all the scriptures, and I want to encourage you to do that as well. This morning, as I before I get into my message, I so want to share with you three things that I found out actually happened. At Passover. And I realized that, you know what, this seems to be a thread around Passover. The first thing that I found is that, you know, the story of Peter that we we, we always quote to say, then the people were praying and then the gates, the prison gates were opened and he appeared. That happened at Passover. It was the time of Passover, the same time that the Egyptians were released. Sorry, the Egyptians released the Israelites. A time of Passover. So I began to think, is it that the time of Passover is the time where People are released from bondage. Is it the time when they are, uh, where, where chains break off? Because, hey, there's two incidents. It's, it's not by coincidence that they would happen at Passover. And so re- think about it. What prison is it that you find yourself in that you need release from? Passover is the time. You know, if you don't know what to expect, you'll expect nothing. So as we go into a time of Passover, expect these things so that you may see them and recognize them when they come. The second is that the, it was, you know, the feeding of the 5,000? That was at the time of Passover. So I began to realize it seems like there's multiplication that happens around the time of Passover. Then if you look in the Old Testament, 2 Kings 30, Hezekiah proclaims and says, hey, let's observe the Passover. And they, they, they began to do it, and it was so great that they said, let's add another week. So they began to add another week, and the Bible tells us that the people were filled with great joy because of what they were doing. They were filled with great joy and the priests began to minister. The pi- priests began to minister and they were heard. This is a time where there is restoration of joy. Passover, there will be restoration of joy. How many of you will do this with some joy in your life? You know, if you are weak, then you probably have no joy because the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So we need some joy. Amen. Maybe I'll share a fourth one because Passover and what happens excites me. It is also the time for plundering the enemy's camp. We know when Jesus was crucified, same time, he went into hell and plundered hell. <laughs> and when the Egyptians were leaving, they got silver and gold from their masters. Imagine a slave. Think about a slave. Is a slave paid properly? They are abused, right? Because if they were not, then they would be an employee and a slave. But when they were leaving, they began to ask their master to say, hey, can can I have some silver and gold? And and they were given. They went and they plundered people that for for so many years kept them in bondage. But when they were leaving, they plundered them. Because it was the time of Passover, there is a plundering that happens at a time of Passover. So as you go through this week, search out the scriptures for yourself. What? does Passover mean? What is its significance? What should I expect at this time? Because if you don't, you'll hear people saying, eee, Passover was amazing. This and this happened and you're like, oh. If you don't expect anything, you'll get nothing. Amen. Last week, Pastor Tom began a series uh, titled Heavenly Supply. And he spoke on a message, God's house being a house of prayer and praise, a house of healing, and a house of provision. And he spoke to us on how we're in a place where we'll see God's house as a house of provision. He also taught us that contention always comes before provision. However, we, are, we should always stand for truth and never step away from God's word. Stand on his word. This morning, I want us to turn to 2 Kings chapter 6, from verse 24 Is where well. we'll read from 2 Kings uh, chapter 6 and verse 24. If you don't know where that is, uh, it's uh, page 342, so. And it happened after this, that Ben-Hadad king of Syria gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver, and one-fourth a quarter of a cab of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? Then the king said to her, What is troubling you? And she answered, This woman said, this woman said to me was her answer, give your son that we may eat him today and we'll eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give your son that we may eat him. But she had hidden her son. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes and he passed on the wall and people looked. And there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. Then he said, God Do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. But Elisha was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him. And the king sent a man man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, Do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him. And while he was still talking with them, there was was the messenger coming down to him. And then the king said, surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord Lord any longer? Chapter 7 says, then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus said the Lord. Tomorrow, about this time, a seer of flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, (laughs) Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this be? And and Elisha replied, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Amen. So this scripture tells us that Syria uh, besieged Samaria and there was great famine. A donkey's head, a whole donkey's head, was being sold for 80 shekels of silver. <laughs> and a quarter of a bulb of doves' droppings for five shekels of silver. Now let me just hasten to say that the doves' droppings being referred to here are not the literal droppings of doves, but rather are bulbs or a coarse corn that is roasted before eating. I just had to say this because uh, some may go and buy canjiva and start uh, collecting the droves <laughs> and start a business. But it's not a literal thing that you eat the droppings of doves, okay? So let's just get that clear. <laughs> and so the king is just taking a walk, and this woman cries out to her, stating an issue. And before even asking what she needs, the king says, If God cannot help you, how can I help you? From the threshing floors that are empty or from the wine press that is dry? So the king is basically saying, okay... Say your story, but unfortunately, hey, it seems like if God can help you, then what can I do? Then she responds by saying, I made a deal with my friend, a fellow mother in the same situation. We ate my son, but it's now time for us to eat hers. But she has hidden him. You know, this is actually a fulfillment of what God said would be the result of disobedience. And turning against God, that's outlined in Deuteronomy 28, um, verses 53 to 57. You should look it up. It speaks of being besieged, famine, and to a resorting of eating of the fruit of their own bodies, the flesh of their sons and daughters. It's a curse that came from disobeying God. The king then tore his clothes and sackcloth and makes a threat to the life of Elijah. He believed that Elijah had, Elisha sorry, had something to do with, with this. They make their way to Elisha, but before the messenger even arrived, Elisha knew what is happening. Because remember, uh, this year we were told that we will see the snake. We will see the snake. Elisha saw the snake here and he knew exactly what was coming. And then when the king arrived, you know the script, The Bible tells us that a soft answer uh, turns away wrath. Elisha gives, just speaks to the king and says, <laughs> By this time tomorrow, by this time tomorrow, He spoke of what was to come from God's perspective. Pastor Tom tells us that in the 2019 word, speaking about the basket, he says, your basket will be full of heavenly supply and will never run dry. You will always have more than enough. This is a season of abundant blessings. The disciples went out with a couple of loaves and a few fish, and they ended up having 12 baskets as leftovers. God is going to have leftovers this year. For the first time in this ministry, there will be an abundance. For the first time in some of your lives, there will be an abundance. Looking at the story in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6 and 7, and where we are as a nation, we probably will find it easier to relate than someone who is in a nation where things are working amazingly well. (laughs) Samaria became a place where unorthodox means to survival were required and used. Eating off a donkey's head, these doves droppings. Imagine what some of the people in our nation are having to eat just to survive. Then steps a the man of God, and he declares that in 24 hours, the things that are in short supply will be available. The things that you can't find will be available, but beyond that, they will be at a very good price. Natural wisdom tells us that when things come and they haven't been there, and now they come, there will be a rush. People are so hungry for them so you might as well increase your price but he says at a low low price this is outrageous so much so that the one the king leans on who probably knows all that the the king is planning and doing one who knows every summit the king goes knows all the treaties all the covenants and you know just to borrow some newspaper lingo knows all the mega deals that the king is a, a part of He turns around and says, even if God made windows of heaven, could this be? Nothing in the natural suggested this could be. Much like what's happening with us, the majority of our headlines and what's happening around, it's hard to see abundance happening for the most part. Think about it. Your salary that wasn't enough is now a quarter of the value it was. (laughs) But it's abundance. (laughs) And instead of getting a real increment at work, they, they tell you that, you know what, we're giving you a hardship allowance, which is discretionary. Uh, basically, they're saying we're, we're cushioning you as much as we can, but we don't want to commit to this because this can end up being a snare for us. So we'll give you a hardship allowance. That's discretionary. So next month, you think it may be there or it may not be there because it's discretionary when we, think, when we feel like we can. But hey, up steps a man of God. And he says, this year will be a year of abundance. Yeah. Ha! After that, in January, <laughs> your transport bill, your fuel bill <laughs> increases by two and a half and you're like, abundance. Where I used to drive to work and anywhere I can't, now I have to se- se- select to say, no, I drive to work on Fridays. Or I drive to work according to the weather reports. But it's a time of abundance. <laughs> A lot of people are asking, hey, what will the year look like come end of year? How many of you have been asked that question? What will it be like at the end of the year? How many of you asked that question? Be honest now. (laughs) See, if you ask me that, to say what will our year look like, I will tell you that it will look like abundance. It will look like (laughs) abundance. Like we sang and declared, just because I don't see it, doesn't mean you're not working even when i don't see it you're still working see i don't know how i don't know i don't exactly know when exactly i I know when this year but i don't know how or when what i am sure about is the what that there will be an abundance why because his word does not return to him void psalm 119 verse 80 says my soul faints in your salvation but i hope in your words Verse 49 of the same psalm says, Remember your word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. So when all this is happening, what causes me to hope that indeed I shall see an abundance is the word that has been released. You see, we read of many Bible situations where things seem imaginable, but a proclamation by God or his representatives is fulfilled. Think about Abraham and Sarah receiving the son of promise at a very old age, and that's in Genesis 18. Or the virgin conceiving and giving birth by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Lazarus dying and three days later being resurrected. Or more so, Jesus being crucified, losing all that blood, being pierced but rising up after three days. Surely if God, if God can do that, can he not fulfill anything else that he has promised? Which I'm sure most of it is, 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 is less work than raising someone who's been dead for three days. And people believing that he's actually alive. Reading Matthew 27, 35 shows us something interesting. It says, then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. Matthew 26, 56 says this, but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be Fulfilled. So there are many other such instances where you find in the scripture, it says this and this happened that the word may be fulfilled. This and this and this happened that the prophets may be fulfilled. So things happen for only the reason that there may be a fulfillment. And we see it in Second Kings chapter 7. See, these, there are four lepers who sit at the entrance of the gate and they said to one another, you know what? We've got three options. We stay here and we die. We go to the city and we may die. But if we go to the camp of the enemy, they may just keep us alive and we survive. Or we may just die. Refuge in the enemy's camp seemed like the best of the bad options that they have. They thought this was a move that was out of their own decision. But as we see this story, you realize that it was actually done to bring to fulfillment the prophecy that had been said to say in 24 hours, there would have been a shift. See, it's not just for them to just go. You see, a lot of us have read the scripture from this part and have said, if I die, I die. I'm going to die anyway, so let me just do it. And when you do it, (laughs) things don't work out. When you're walking, your steps are not being amplified because... You are, this was in relation to a prophetic word that had been said. It wasn't guys that just thought to themselves, you know what, no guts, no glory. No, no, no. They were, it was a parallel process that was happening to bring to fulfillment what God had said. This was not their own decision. They were being led to say, do this. So, can I say to you, that there may be a parallel process that, we're, that is happening that you know not of, that is actually bringing to fulfillment the prophetic words that have been declared over your life. You see, the people in the camp or in the city didn't even know. That, some of them didn't even know that there were four lepers that had been banished. They didn't even know. They didn't know. But these are the people that did, that moved and the prophetic word came to pass. The Bible tells us that as they walked, their steps were amplified. These are sick people, but their steps were amplified to sound like horses and chariots, so much so that it intimidated the Syrians that they would leave camp in such a hurry that they left their possessions. Imagine if someone was to come into your house and you hear them coming and they're tippy and you realize I've got some valuables here and I need to go. The fact that they're tippy makes you realize that, you know what, they will probably, they're not, coming in, in a rush, so let me, let me open my safe, let me st- take my things, and then I'll climb out of my own window and go, right? But they, they, their noise was so much that they said, you know what, our possessions are nothing compared to our lives. Four lepers just walking. I don't think they were even walking properly, I think they had a limp. But their steps were amplified, so much so that that happened. See, this happened after dusk, away from public view, not in the flashing lights or glamour, not in front of cameras. And it was really unknown to most of the beneficiaries. They arrived and didn't know why. They walked in and found that. See, 2 Kings 7, 16 says, people went out and planted the tents of the Syrians. So a sear of flour was sold for a shekel and two sears of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. Verse 18 repeats it. Imagine just another verse later, it repeats and says, two sears of barley for a shekel and a sea of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow. And it was so. It happened just as he said. You know, (laughs) I've learned that one of the hardest things we can do, one of the ways that we can get into worry is when we start thinking about how God is going to do something. When we start trying to figure it out. How many of you ever ever figured it out? Say, you know what? I think God is going to do this. And when he does this, then this door will open. Then this contract will come and then this will come. And it happens that way. (laughs) The Bible does tell us that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So a lot of us spend a lot of time worrying to say, how am I going to meet him? As in my business partner. <laughs> and and, and you, you try and do things in your own natural wisdom, and you end up going into a partnership with someone who rips you off, and then it just kills you, and it puts, sets you in a bad season, because you tried to do it yourself. This year, we're to honor His word and follow His spirit. Let us be those that follow his spirit to say, God, I don't understand it. I, don't fi- I can't figure it out. My heart is broken right now. I can't figure it out. But you know what? I'm going to follow your leading because I will know that you will do something. The officer that we, talk about, we spoke about was told you will see it, but you will not partake of it. Because of his unbelief, he's questioning and mocking the ability of God. He said... If the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be like, your God is He even able. Clearly he didn't know much because we know that there are windows of heaven. And he's talking about making. Even when the king was informed that this had happened, he came up with a story that you know what? These guys are in hiding. They've set an ambush for us in the fields. Once we go thinking there is no one, they will plunder us. King, what do you have? You, want to, you think they want to plunder your dove's droppings. <laughs> you see, a lot of us actually do that. We say state statements like it's too good to be true. When something happens, when God moves, you're like, I know it's too good to be true. This is what the king is saying. You know, I, I always used to say, we mustn't say it's too good to be true until I realized that I had found a spiritual way of saying it. <laughs> when things would be going well in my life, and my wife can attest to this, I would start saying statements like, you know what, how do I ensure that I don't fall from the grace? <laughs> how do I ensure that I don't fall out of grace? What I'm basically saying is, you know what, this is too good that if anything happens, this, is, this could happen, things could just turn. See, the unfortunate thing is that when people begin to be successful, the people around them begin to wonder, what did they do? <laughs> how did they get that, ah, this guy... This guy is a, no, 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 no. He bribes, he does this. No, 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 maybe it's God. No, no, no. No, 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 guys. What if it's God? What if actually it is God? But we negate it and we damage our own faith because if we can't see God's ability in someone else's life, how can we believe that God can do it for us? So instead of, instead of celebrating, we're actually researching how did... No, 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 no. Let's not be like the king and the, 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 his officer. Let's believe God at his word. Hey, you know what? If, they are li- if their testimony is untrue, it's their story. It's their story. It's, they will be judged for it, not you and I. So when we hear something, believe that it is God. When you hear a story of abundance, say, God, thank you for what you've done for them. I thank you, God. I thank you for them. And surely if you can do it for them, then I know that I'm coming to. But we start talking about ah, have you ever been to the house? There's a bedroom you can't mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> it is better not to speak and voluntarily refrain yourself. We read of how Zechariah in Luke 1:20 is told you'll be mute because you didn't believe. <laughs> Now you can't even share this amazing news. You have to write it down. We're going to have a child. (laughs) It is better to be like Mary, who said, let it be done according to your word. I'm sure she didn't believe it 100%. Imagine you being told that you'll be pregnant by by the Holy Spirit. Or the father of the child said, you know what, Lord? I believe but help my unbelief. See, one of the reasons we either have unbelief or we miss heavenly supply is that we don't have the correct perspective of our heavenly father. Now, Pastor Tom was speaking about hindrances to healing and sometimes we believe that God is out to get us. We feel like God is out to bring disease and sickness on us. See, some of us have this warped um, thought that God wants to keep us struggling so we keep relying on him. That he wants to keep us broke because when you're broke, you stay in church. (laughs) That I won't pray as much when I've got money, so God wants me to stay praying so he doesn't give me money or abundance or resources. Or God doesn't want me to get a job because once I get a job, I won't be in morning prayer anymore. I'm sure God would want you to be praying for other things than food, clothes. Because he tells us not to worry about those things. So it's actually in God's interest (laughs) to get those things to you. Probably more than you know you want them. (laughs) If God is going to keep us in a relationship where we are struggling so we rely on him, who wants to be in an abusive relationship like that? Imagine your husband wanting to keep you struggling with nothing, doesn't buy you anything, not even Vaseline because (laughs) he wants to keep you. You can't go anywhere because you can't go outside without applying Vaseline. I don't know where that came from I promise it's not in my notes <laughs> but, but, but w- why would you want to be in a relationship that's abusive the Bible tells us Jesus says if your earthly father knows how to good gifts what more our heavenly father the Bible in 2nd Peter 1 3 tells us that he has given us all that pertains to life and godliness so he's not trying to withhold from us he's not trying to withhold from us Ephesians 1 verse 3 Says that he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms. Luke 12 32 tells us, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's not just his pleasure. It's not, his, it's not just his pleasure. It's his good pleasure. Good pleasure. Good pleasure. Think about it. Good pleasure. So, y- you know what? It actually hurts him. From what I'm seeing from this, it hurts him when you and I are struggling. It actually hurts him. Which father here wants to see their child struggling? You know, my, my dad never used to shed tears. Very rarely. Maybe at a funeral or something, he would, he would hide. He would hide when it was time because he didn't want us to see him crying. But the one time that I, 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 I'm sure I saw him crying when it was just the two of us is when I had relayed to him some of the challenges that I had had when I was at the University of Zimbabwe. That he he, he knew things, obviously, he knew things were not well, but he didn't realize the extent of how things were going. I began to tell him that, do you notice that I don't go to school on Fridays? It's like, wow, wow. Don't you have lectures? And I explained to him, look, I have one pair of turkeys and they're white. So by the time we get to Thursday, they're very dirty. And because Saturday is a big day for someone my age, I need to wash them on Friday. (laughs) I said to him have you noticed that sometimes I wake up very early if it's raining the day before I'm up the next morning early because I would have to wash (laughs) and ask for my mom's hair dryer and in the morning just going, and he began to shed some tears almost like son I never knew that's what you had been going through so if an earthly father can do that What about our heavenly father? God does not want us struggling. That's why he would say to us, this is a season of abundance. Have you ever noticed that God would, prophetic words are hardly things that seem comprehensible. You see, if, if a prophetic word was come to someone here to say you will be able to breathe tomorrow, very few people would, would shout out, I receive in this place. But someone who is dealing with something in their respiratory system would say, I believe, and they would run to the front. But for everyone else, it's almost like, yeah. That's why a word such as abundance would come in a season where things seem to be regressing. Because God is saying, hey, I want to give you hope. So know that abundance is coming. You shall see an abundance. Abundance. Another reason why we would struggle that God wants us to bless us, wants to bless us, because sometimes we don't understand why He would want to give us a heavenly supply. Why would He want to give us? Why would He want to give me? It's almost like you know what, I don't think I don't think I'm worthy. My background is not it's for others. Maybe I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. No, 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 no. This is for all those that would believe. As we come to our point of closing, I want to talk about six points on why God would cause us to have have heavenly supply. Why such a parallel process like we saw of the lepers would happen in our lives that would bring us to a place of plundering our enemies. Why would he do that? The first one, I've chosen six but there are many more, but the first one is that he he wants us to give us relief from trouble. The story in 2 Kings uh, chapter 4 is of a woman who cried out and says, you know what? You know my servant, the husband is dead and he feared the Lord but the creditors are coming to make my two sons a slave and Elisha says to them, what do you have in your house? You know the story of the oil, the oil in the jars, the oil in the jars. So what she needed was a relief and that's what came. When they were out of vessels, she said to, to him, we are out of vessels. And the man of God said, go sell the oil, pay your debts, and live out of the abundance. Live out of the abundance. See, if we had found ourselves in this scenario, many of us would have thought that God is, God is, uh, is judging them. God is, God is just disciplining me by wanting to take my two sons. It's like maybe I I didn't do something well enough before my husband died, so God is now uh, judging me by having my two sons taken away. Maybe I'll, no, 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 no. God actually wants you out of trouble. Imagine the things that you could do when you're out of trouble. How many of us are in a place where we can't even serve as much as we could? We can't even do the things, we can't be concerned as much with the kingdom of God because we are trying to figure out our next meal. See, you are more effective to God when you're out of trouble Because you can even go and strengthen someone else. Some other widow comes in the the same scenario. You can strengthen them. You can speak to them tangibly. It's not just, oh, God bless you. No, no, you can actually speak to them and say, you know what? This is where I was. I was in this kind of trouble. My business was struggling. But you know what? God made a way for me where I got a bit of a heavenly supply. And it managed to get us out of the red. And it managed to get us into uh, being able to expand. Remember, this lady, sell. Pay your debt and live off the rest. So God actually wants you out of trouble, relief from trouble. The second is that God may want to meet a particular need. Sometimes things happen and there is a need that is before you. Matthew 17:27 speaks of how there was a need to pay taxes. There was a need to pay taxes. And Jesus says, hey, go, go to the sea, cast in a hook, take the fish that comes out, First, and when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. The amount they got is what they needed to pay there. Sometimes God will open a door for you to receive heavenly supply because there is a particular need that you need to meet. A particular need. So when you are, you know, the Bible tells us that he will supply all our needs. He will supply all our needs. And he wants to do that. Amen. The third reason why is that you may use it as a bridge in transition. A bridge in transition. You know the children of of Israel would get get manna daily. Daily they would get manna. Daily, every day they would be able to go out and get manna. But in Joshua 5.12, the manna ceased. The day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna. But they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. See, sometimes God would give us a heavenly supply because we're in a season or a period of transition. But what we have to be careful of is that we recognize when that season is off over. How many of you know the book, Who Moved My Cheese? Yeah? I once heard someone preach a message, Who Moved My Manna? That sometimes you don't recognize that we're now in the promised land, so the supply of the wilderness is over. We are now in the promised land. So when we are receiving a heavenly supply because we are in a season of transition, we must be able to recognize when that transition is over, when that period is over. Otherwise, we will then begin to struggle and begin to ask God, God, where are you? Where are you? How come I'm not receiving anything anymore? But yet God is saying, look, son, look, daughter, I gave you this manner to get you into the place of promise. Now it's time for you to be fruitful. Now it's time for you to multiply. This is actually a season where you'll get more. You know, the manna was flaky, it was bread without taste, but now you are in a place where now you can actually eat of different things. You can eat of different things, flavors that you never knew you had. You know, when you've been fasting for a while, anything you eat tastes good. Anything you eat tastes good. The same way, after seasons of manna, when you're now in the promised land, it's time for you to enjoy all of God's other creation. So when we receive a heavenly supply, because we're in a season of transition, recognize it, accept it, but be able to move on out of that transition. Amen? The fourth reason is that so that you can be a blessing to others. This is a big one. The Bible in Genesis 12 says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing I normally summarize this to mean that I will bless you, so that you can be a blessing. See, God would bless us that we may be a blessing. You know, Pastor Tom always speaks about this uh, horsepipe illustration. That in life we must realize that we're a pipe. We are there to deliver blessing to others. We are a channel through which we deliver God's blessing to others. But the horsepipe is never wet. I mean, it's never dry. It is wet. Oftentimes, you don't want to handle a hosepipe because it will spill water on you. Because as it is channeling, it itself is getting wet. It itself is receiving. It itself is receiving. So sometimes we block the heavenly supply because we are not creating opportunities for new supply. If you put a plug at the end of a hosepipe, if you put a plug on it, at some point the water is not going to come out of the supply anymore because there is such a blockage. There is such a block that no more water can come through. And then you start wondering, why am I in a place of stagnancy? How come I'm not I'm not seeing any more breakthroughs in my life? How many how come things are not happening for me because you put a plug? You put a plug. The interesting thing is that when you block that the hose pipe is not what bursts when the pressure builds up. What bursts is the source. So you're now not able to receive from the source anymore because there is a breakage. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are not blessed simply so that we can have. Have, Us having is important, but that's not the sole reason. God is not as much interested in making us have 16 cars at parked at home. And he says, I'm going to give you abundance. No, no, that's not the, the purpose of us having. I mean, people will drive nice cars. But if that's where it ends, then we're putting a plug. God wants us to have through flow, throughput. He wants to expand. Maybe you start with that narrow, narrow 15-millimeter uh, hose pipe, but it needs to begin to grow bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You see, you don't put a wide diameter hose pipe, a big irrigation pipe, when you're, when you're just uh, um, watering. Sorry, I needed to translate from Shauna there. When you're just watering. <laughs> when you're just watering a small little vegetable garden. You, you Actually, you don't even need a hose pipe. All you need is that watering can. And then you just take the watering can, right? But the more your garden increases, you now need a, a hose pipe. And then you realize that I need a bigger hose pipe. And then you, a bigger hose pipe. Until now, you've got irrigation pipes and you've got, what's that called? A center pivot. A center pivot. Imagine you being a center pivot of blessing. where you are a center pivot. But you see, you can't put a center pivot for a, a bed of rape, from bed of rape, a garden of rape. <laughs> you see, God is not wasteful. God is not wasteful that he would give such capacity to someone who does not have the capacity to carry it and to transfer it see, a lot of us are looking at people that have, and you're saying, okay, they give because they have. I think that they have because they give. It's not the other way around It's, it's they have because they give. They have because their horse pipe has increased. See, if you keep withholding, then, we can't, then God can't open the tap any wider, because if he does, it will break that connection. We are blessed to be a blessing. See, even those lepers knew, they knew that you know what, we've enjoyed, they took and they went and they hit. but then they were like, you know what, no, 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 this is not right. Others should participate. So they went, imagine, to a place where you've been told, stay at the gate, and you're now going to say, actually, relatives, friends, kin, come, come, come and see what has happened. But some of us if something like that had happened if someone you, you you someone banished you and you found an opportunity and it would benefit them you'll keep it for yourself you be like ah and they, they 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 chased me out blessed to be a blessing the fifth one is that so we may participate in every good work second corinthians 9 says god is able to make all grace abound to you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Very similar to being blessed to be a blessing. He's saying when opportunities come, come like this. You're actually saying, can I have a form? We you, you, you know when ushers say, take one and pass the rest. It's like, just take it and now it's a bookmarker. Or maybe your kids make paper planes with it because they're like, you know what? No, he wants us to have an abundance so that we can give into every good work. You know, I actually, I actually love how we're given many opportunities in this church. That there'll be an opportunity to give for action. There'll be an opportunity to give during action. There'll be an opportunity to give after action. Because that, that is reason for me to also stretch and expand my capacity. Because I'm saying, you know what, God, if there are so many opportunities, I want to be able to participate. And you know what? I don't want to participate at the level I participate. T- <sighs> I want to be able to amalgamate my efforts of last year and of this year. <laughs> Are laughing too much. This is church. (laughs) I want to be able to participate at a greater level than I did last year because you tell us that we go from glory to glory and from strength to strength. So if I see a regression in my offerings, then I'm saying, No, 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 there is something wrong. The enemy has come into the camp because I, God, you take me from glory to glory and from strength to strength. So any opportunity that comes, okay, what did we do last year? Okay, so we have to increase. I don't have it. We don't have it. But you know what? I believe that it's not my responsibility to have seed. Because the Bible tells us that he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. My responsibility is to be a sower. Your responsibility is to be one that sows. Because when you sow, then you create a channel. Then the last one, which is quite interesting, is that God would give us a heavenly supply to change the course of a nation and a people. See, what happens in this story that we read that we based everything out of in 2 Kings 7 is that there was no food. Exactly what had been said, imagine fine flour, there was no flour, remember the threshing floor was empty, but now there is fine flour, premium flour. There was barley and all at a good price. So you see, what then happens is that when things are at a price like that most people can afford, and those that c- couldn't afford probably plundered some silver that gave them ability to afford, it can change the course of a nation. See, if church, if we begin to operate at the level that we should be operating at, as children of God, as our, in our position, as we are seated with Him in heavenly places, we can begin to affect to do things that affect the nation. We can begin to attract people and people into Zimbabwe who will begin to work through us to affect the nation of Zimbabwe. You see, when things begin to shift with people around, people actually are in a different place. Think about it. Let's say you're in church, and uh, you receive some sort of heavenly supply for your business. Now you're able to give the sister who's sitting across from you business. What they're able to do is now they're able to... Uh, to, to find their own supply and give them business and then someone else. And so it begins to affect things. And now what's happening is that from one person's heavenly supply, there is a downturn of people being blessed, employees being paid better. There are things that can begin to shift and happen because of heavenly supply happening with one person. Now imagine what it could be like if the people that are in this auditorium, the people that are watching online, things began to shift in their lives. What could it look like? What could it look like? What could our society look like? Where we now have people, more and more people working because we're creating employment for people. More and more people moving from eating uh, doves droppings to a place where now they can also afford fine flour. It can change the course of a nation. Church, I believe that a lot of us here could do with some heavenly supply. I believe that our faith needs to be activated again. We need to hope again. We need to believe again. Hope in his word again. So this morning as we close, I want us to do two, we're going to do two things the first thing that we're going to do this morning is I want us to go before the Lord and just repent because I believe a lot of us have been like the, the, the officer of the king where we've spoken against the, pro, the promises of God where we've questioned God's ability and his intention so I want us to do that and then after that we want to give anyone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith Because for you to access this, there has to be faith. So you need to be in a relationship with Jesus. So church, we're going to all stand up. Once we pray and repent, then we will then uh, open the altar and invite those that. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Father, we ask that you may forgive us. We ask that you may forgive us for where we have spoken death of our own situations when you see life and when you speak life. Father, we pray right now and repent for where we have looked through the valley of dry bones and spoken our opinion that they will not live and have not come back to you and and said only you know if they will live, Lord. Father, we ask that you may forgive us. Father, we pray for any time that we have maybe even received heavenly supply but mismanaged it. Where maybe it was a season of transition, but we did not transition out of it. Where we were, you gave us that we may be a blessing, but we thought you gave us so we can look blessed. Father, we ask that you may forgive us. Father, where we've withheld things that could have caused a shift and a turn in other people's lives, we ask that you may forgive us, Lord. Oh, forgive us, Lord. Father, anything that may be used against us in the courtrooms of heaven, that we may not be eligible to receive a heavenly supply, we ask that Jesus, our advocate, who died on the cross for us, would speak on our behalf that we may be eligible, that our sins may be forgiven. Father, we pray that any record of that Be washed by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus that speaks of better things. That when the the adversary, when the accuser of brethren wants to bring it up, the only record that is found is the blood of Jesus that speaks of better things. Thank you, Lord. We know that you tell us that you are faithful to confess our sins. You are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.